0: We've got fibre broadband here in Dublin, here in Clifton, and now here. We could soon be powering this podcast you're about to listen to, so you can wonder on your computer from the comfort of your own sofa. Curiosity is everywhere on Vodafone, Ireland's largest fibre broadband provider from 30 euro per month. Search Vodafone Gigabit Broadband Terms apply. Subject to availability and selected areas. Average speeds based on Comrade Market Share data Q1 2020. New customers only. Subject to 12-month contract. Offer ends 22nd of November 2020. See Vodafone.ie forward slash fixed terms for full terms.
1: Yes, we've got Dundee's most 2nd handsome player ever, Gavin Ray. How are you, mate?
2: I'm good, mate. Thank you.
1: You know who I've got us first? Who? Susan Boyle's boy, Martin.
2: <laughs> the wee man. He's a legend.
1: I was speaking to him this morning, actually. He says, ask of the best bit of advice he ever gave us. Can you remember it?
2: Nah. He
1: say- <laughs> you <laughs> say to him, Oi, wee man, see if you work hard, you'll have a bank balance like mine.
2: <laughs> no, I never.
1: <laughs> oh, he's doing well, isn't he?
2: Boyle has done unbelievable, mate. Since when, like when we started, obviously, I, I, when I was at Aberdeen, he came on trial from Montrose. And He was an out and out striker, and then he came to Dundee. He obviously, he signed with Dundee, and then I ended up back at Dundee. And like, he was in and out of the team. I'm, I'm taking credit for his for his career, by the way, because I was coach at head coach of the reserves, um, like coaching the reserves manager. And he was like playing up front and then I says, you know what, we'll, we'll chuck you wide because he's so fast. I'm just thinking, we'll put him wide, see how he goes. He was amazing. And since then, that's has been his position. So I'm taking all credit for his career.
1: <laughs> Brilliant. He actually said that in the under-20s games that you would just come in with a box of donuts and say to the boys, if you win, we'll give you the donuts."
2: Yeah, I used to give them bonuses and then run, mate. But if they didn't win, they didn't get the donuts.
1: <laughs>
2: I used to love one? it, mate. But, what,
1: bonuses as in, you would give them a few quid if they won.
2: No, like bonus, I like would take in like stuff like donuts and I would take other stuff, you know, just like bonuses for the game, like an incentive for the game. Like just try and keep it as much as, just like an incentive for them to get in. Because it's hard sometimes reserve games. Yeah. The, the boys that came down and played when I was coaching the reserves were brilliant. You know, they all loved it. Um, I think the fact you could bet on the games as well was interesting because <laughs> everyone would be asking the team. We'd have like five first team players. Everyone was just lumping on the team. It was amazing.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Uh, you're in Australia
2: now, mate, and you're coaching it there? I am, yeah. I've been coaching for about, since I got here, like, so about five years. So, I was assistant coach and still playing. So, I played till I was 40, semi-pro level. Wow. Um, so, I was playing uh, and assistant coach, and then I was head coach, to call it here, head coach and, and playing. And then, I've, the last two years, I've just done coaching. So, I've been coaching for about five years Um two different clubs. I'm at the second club now. You know, up ups and downs, great experience. You know, we've won one a cup of well won a cup in the top level. Uh, we also got relegated, so great experience.
1: Uh, because nobody knows this, but the reason you actually moved to Australia was to sell herbalife for your best mate Lee Miller.
2: <laughs> <laughs> He's bombing it. Eh? He loves it.
1: <laughs> He's actually told me that it was you that got toadfish to lose weight for neighbours. Is that true? Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, probably. <laughs> uh you came through with him, didn't you? you obviously both started at Dundee, you were for Aberdeen. That's some come down mate, like going for living in Aberdeen, to having to move through to Dundee.
2: Mate, I was homesick the first first while I was there at, at Aberdeen. Um yeah Murzel was like Murza's a year younger than me, or a couple years younger than me, but yeah, you know, same sort of YTS sort of level. Um but yeah, no, I've been mates with Murzel since since YTS days and it's, he's a good good guy.
1: So what did you move into? Did you move into DiggsGov?
2: Yeah, yeah, so we moved down. So I was 16 when I moved down and moved into Diggs in the Hilton. Um, In the Hilton? In the Hilton, mate. It was actually a really nice place. It was actually a really nice apartment. (laughs) So we had one of the ladies that used to do, like, the lunches at Dens Moira. Her daughter used to come and, like, cook the meals and then come in and clean, but then go away. there was five boys there, so I think there was five boys, or five or six boys in this apartment. A couple from, obviously, Aberdeen. Uh, a few from the west coast and a couple from uh, Edinburgh as well um, and even just getting used to that just being away from home and just getting used to not being you know with my folks it was, I struggled that first year really struggled um, with the football but also just being away just I hated it
1: you must have seen some things on in there eh?
2: I it was, uh, it was an interesting reason. <laughs> obviously were going for dens back home you just, obviously when none of us were driving at that point um, we used to just like sprint sprint home in the apartment get back to the flat as soon as we could, like, just to make sure that there was no trouble and we just used to just get our stuff for the local spa, <coughs> excuse me, and um, just uh, bunker down in the house, mate. We were never far out in the whole like.
1: Oh, it's crazy, man. Uh, Cowboy McCormick, John McCormick was your youth team manager. Now, he's notorious for oh. being a screwball. Was it a tough upbringing?
2: It was, I It was really tough. He was... Um, yeah, he was he was an intimidating character. Um, we used to do like anyone used to get mistakes in the youth team. If there was any mistakes in training that, or any disagreements, he used to just give like get a glove each. So we'd be back into the gym after training, and you would just chuck two boxing gloves down, and you just had to grab the gloves. So somebody would get the left, and somebody would get the right. So you're just thinking, Fuck, I need to get I need to get to the right. But yeah, it was meant on me. I'm just out to school. I'm thinking I'm coming down. And then you're boxing against boys that are like a year older than you for the West Coast, and you're like proper ballsy anyway. You're like <laughs> <laughs> it's mental, mate, mental. But, but and what, um, would you call McReferee? Would he referee the boxing matches? Yeah, he loved it. Absolutely loved it, mate. Absolutely loved it. It was it was just his his thing. Like he proper like tested you as a, as a character to try and like get you get you out your shell. And I was like, I was quite quiet. Like as, as a 16, 15, 16 year old going into that, it was a. Uh, it was a tough and challenging environment. I hated my first year, mate. I was really struggling. I used to get like when it was a Sunday night in Aberdeen. Used to go to get back down the road on the Monday morning. I was dreading it. mate. I hated it because I was struggling with football as well. So it was like getting used to that environment plus the football proper struggling and hated it that first year. Um, Why were you struggling football wise? But not,
1: not playing well.
2: No, nah, I was yeah, it was terrible, mate. If I'm honest, like absolutely hopeless. Um, I came into it and in, like. There was a lot of boys that were in a second year YTS, and so I was just new to it, totally out of my comfort zone, totally struggled, no confidence. And it wasn't until the, towards the end of that year that I started to get to grips with it and started to like feel a bit more confident myself. And start I nicked a couple of goals towards the end, and then I started feeling better. But I was I, mean, I wasn't playing; I was on the bench. Plus, you've got all the getting used to, you know, doing the YTS stuff and all that as well. So I didn't didn't really particularly enjoy that first year. Um, but luckily it sort of picked up after that.
1: See, because you had that struggle early on, Gav, do you think that stood you in good stead for the rest of your career?
2: Definitely, because you know, I'd been through a tough time. You know, I hadn't had it like it was all easy. It was like it was really tough that first year and I was really close to like not getting that second year YTS. Like for sure I'd have been struggling. You know, when you go and you line up and you, you get told whether you're getting kept on or you're getting let go. Horrible experience and obviously a lot of my mates get let go and luckily I'd done enough, but Because I'd been through that tough time, you know, even throughout my career, you always go up and you have tough times and you have good times. And it just because I'd done that already, I'd sort of known what it was like. So you just become more resilient from the off. So I was more resilient from the off at that point and managed to sustain a career just through hard work and determination and just being able to be resilient and just keep pushing on.
1: Uh, It's mad that. Uh, Jim Duffy was the first team manager. So when did he start to take a liking to you? Did you start to do better in the youth team?
2: I towards towards the end of the, that first year at YCS, I, as I say, I scored a couple of goals and just got my confidence. The biggest thing that happened was the end of the year when they they tell you about you know if you're getting kept on. The um, so I get kept on. They told me to go away and work on. So it was like fitness. Obviously, it would have been I think it was heading and first touch because my first touch was horrendous. Um, so <laughs> worked in it over the summer. You know, really worked hard over the summer. I worked on fitness and then. Came back that second year, and just just the fact that they kept me on, I just got the biggest confidence boost ever. So I played. So the second year I was there, YTS. I played all YTS games, all reserve games, and first team in that second year. From that, from the first year, was like, it's the biggest thing was confidence. Just to give us that confidence, just to have a go.
1: It's mad that like the career you've had, and you could you didn't even hear a first touch.
2: Horrendous. It wasn't even that good when I finished, mate, to be honest. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, who was your teammates back then? Is there anyone that we would know? Any of the older boys that were quite intimidating or was it all like that?
2: Um, on the YTS, yes, there wasn't really anyone that sustained a career. Ian Anderson was the only one that sort of, he went to Preston and not done all right. A bit, but he never like, had a really long career. Um, the ones coming through underneath me were like Lee Wilkie, um, Derek Suter, Merzo, Big Jamie can uh, well, I just mean,
1: say the names you've mentioned there's no first t- touch between any of you's five man <laughs>
2: <laughs> Big Streaky was alright Big Streaky was no bad Big was, mean,
1: was a hard uh, bastard when he leave, okay, was a hard bastard man
2: mate when I played so I played youth team um, and I used to play centre half for the youth team and Big Streaky uh, came in so he would have been about 15 still at school and he was like massive already he was like and he was such a good player for his like it was such a shame obviously he had his bad injuries but what a player he was mate
1: well, do you he could have went, like, really high in football, Lee Wilkie, if he never got the injuries?
2: Like, he had, he had everything, like, modern day centre-half, very good in the ball, he used to, like, do mazes out from defence and that, loved it, day in turns and all that, he loved it, but he could actually, like, ping a ball, he was quick enough, aggressive as inning and loved defending, he could date, and like, he was aggressive in the air, he, he had everything, like, for a, a modern day centre-half, but he obviously had a bit of a, a nightmare with injuries and... I remember watching the game against Holland when he was against Van Nistelrooy, mate. He was unbelievable that day. He was amazing. and amazing. It's a shame because <laughs> he could have went on.
1: See, when you were young boys, we you just got to the Mardi. Mardi Gras.
2: Mate, we went to the Mardis all the time, mate. It was mental. <laughs> mate, we went... Um, so when uh, I bought a house in Dundee, maybe... Had I been about 22, maybe 23, in the first team... And then and Big Jamie stayed with me. So they were like my lodgers. They would, they would pay me rent for the house. It was amazing, mate. <laughs> so we were all in the house together, out in, out in the ferry. And, oh, mate, we had, um, we had to like hit it on the head because we ended up going out too much. We're out, I remember one time, and I stopped going out during the week after it. We'd done Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday for eight weeks solid. <laughs> and then <laughs> after that, I was just like, nah, I can't, I can't do it anymore. But it was the Benetti's. The Benetti's were in charge. And like our training was at three o'clock in the afternoon. So it was the biggest carrot ever. You're just like, oh, I'll well, just go and then we'll sleep in and then we'll go to training.
0: <laughs> it was the worst thing,
2: I, worst thing I could have done. But yeah, after that, I never drank during the week again in my career because it was just like, too much.
1: See, just on Jim Duffy, how was he with Young players? to be a great coach, uh, isn't
2: he? Yeah, good, really good. He was, you know what, he's very, I love Duff because he's very just honest. He would tell you if you were shit, you know, he would tell you like, mate, you were hopeless today and you were just like, yeah, all right, fair enough. But I get, I get on the other side of that. Like if you were good, um, he would tell you the same thing. I remember a game against Parkhead after the game. I think we got beat, we got beat 2 now or something, but he's like, he said to me after the game, he says, listen, you didn't deserve to be in the losing team because I'd had a really good game. Just, he was just very honest. I loved, loved that about him, but intimidating. He was, he mellowed out throughout his career because when I first had him that first couple of years, yeah, he was, uh, he was tough and there was some, we had some huge characters in that first team so he had to like be really strong and he was a strong character so he could deal with
1: it. Can you remember a certain one that he absolutely cracked?
2: Um, yeah, there was, um, I remember the first team going down to the Perth races. They'd had like this day out organised. and For some reason they came back after the racing and we, there was a mad squad in the first team when I was coming through. What, like, what sort team.
1: of players? Who were we talking about?
2: So you had uh, Jerry Britton, Jordy Shaw, Steve Pittman, Alan Dinney, Ray Farnham, uh, Noel Blake, all like mental, like Mad Squad. Mm-hmm. And um they'd had this day at Perth Races and um for some reason they'd stole they'd stolen the stepladder from like the finish line. You know like the finish line it's like a step ladder and they've got the thing so they put the thing yeah. up on the board. It's, for some reason they'd stolen the step ladder and brought it back on the the minibus back to Dens. we like just mental, right? So the next day, obviously Duff duffed in the drink. He, he hated all that. So next day, got a complaint from Perth Races. The stepladders in the first team dressing room at this point. The boys are coming back in steaming. He gets them all in and they're still steaming. He went, half his nut and like mental. And they ended up getting running around the track and that and he was just like,
1: oh, he that. didn't even
2: want to mess him like because he was, he was tough, tough guy like.
1: I've heard he can fight as well. He's very possible, isn't he? He's meant to be off his nut.
2: I've heard that as well, mate. To be honest, and to be honest, I wouldn't like to see him, and we not like to see him in action. But even then, like we had cowboys, well, mate, he's mental and all. So, you know, you grow he's up. But two pals
1: got? God. Was cowboy and Duffy pals?
2: Yeah, yeah, they were pals, mate, and they were like, yeah, they're all mental, mate. It was a bit like for a for a kid like growing up and in the YTS, it was it was great ground, and you know, dealing with having to do, not deal with these characters, but being around these characters and seeing them because it's a lot different these days.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jockey Scott, another character replaced him. Uh, Any standout memories of him, except for the handlebar moustache?
2: jockey was good. He was just like very, um, I loved his training. His training was great. Him and uh, Jimmy Bowen, so J.B. was the assistant. We had a really good group at that point and the training was excellent. But it used to, you just remember, I can remember being in the first team wrestling at that point. And he used to, the first-team dressing door would be open and the coach's door would be open. And you just hear him laughing like all the time. Like the loudest laugh ever. And everyone thinks he's proper like, like a doer character and he's like grumpy, which he can be at times. But he was proper, like great banter with the boys. He was amazing, mate. He was a brilliant coach as well. I love working
1: with him. I, I see, when you say that, like his training was brilliant. So what sort of stuff did he do? Was he before his time? Uh,
2: not so much that. It was more like it was really like short sessions but really intense so you'd be absolutely knackered by the end of it but everyone loved it because it was not always, not always the same but it was like you knew what you were doing every day and, but it was just really short work your nuts off and then you would get the rewards from it so you'd get your days off you'd get tight and chill out but it was the training was just really enjoyable and his, co- his actual coaching points was great as well um, and Jai B was more of the more keeping the group going and the camaraderie between all the boys. And he was funny. He's a funny character as well. But Jockey was was a fantastic coach as well. And I I love working with him and love working with both of them, to be honest.
1: Because he's finished fifth and seventh in Jockey's two years. Like, for me, Dundee should be biting the hand off for fifth and seventh. Uh, Was it unrealistic ambitions for the board that why Jockey Scott got sacked?
2: I I think um, think they'd come to this... Like, thinking back, I don't know if it was this is exactly how it went, but I think it was Atletico Madrid had this model where they brought in loads of boys from different countries and then played them in their first team and then sold them. And I think the Mars at that time, who were in charge, had the same idea when the Benetti's came in. So, Jockey, I mean, we'd done unbelievable in that in that two years, you know, highest league positions doing really well and then he obviously got let go so I was gutted because he was really good to me I, as I say I, well, I played nearly every game for him that second season um, so I was obviously gutted but in football you sort of look back and you learn that it happens you know coaches move on but it was it was a bit it was a bit harsh but nothing surprised him in football
1: See, see at Dundee Philip, I always feel like Dundee do have quite un, unrealistic ambitions like I always yeah. think that Dundee being in the Premier League is a success but like, fans, board, and everything, since I've been a wee boy, they've always, I thought, had unrealistic ambitions. Would you go along with it? Oh, it's
2: a big club, though, isn't it? And, you know, like, it's, and they've always had this, the last, you know, 20 years, been up and down, up and down, and, you know, it's a, it's a club that's got huge history, and I think that's what the the expectation comes from. And it's a tough place to play for me. If it's not going well, it's, it's not an easy place to play, you know, uh, the fans have got massive expectations, and... Whether it's unrealistic or not, it's, I suppose it's, it's it's a tough it's a tough place to play when you're not playing well. But um, you know it should definitely be in the top league. So at least like I like probably agree. You know it should definitely be in that league at least. But to be pushing on higher up is uh, it can be tough because it's a tough league again.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then what did you think when you heard that a, and that Madatawi and Avano Benetti was getting it? was there any like did the players know before it came out in the press? Or was, were you just surprised as everyone else when he got the job?
2: Oh, listen. there was, there was rumours but with no idea what was happening and I think he came to a game at Ibrox um, and then I remember him, I think he told um, Peter Maher at the time oh, the, the boys aren't fit enough we, we played amazing at Ibrox like, we were amazing I, I think we'd like it was drawn we drew the game or you know it was a close game and we'd done really well but he told Peter Maher oh, the boys are not fit enough and we need to get them fit, and they need to lose X amount of kilos and I was like here we go again man and it was just like very strange when they came in, but and it was total culture shock that looking back, you get used to it, but it's really horrendous at the time. Like, it was minging at the start, right?
1: Really. But italians love that, didn't they? No fit enough need to lose weight. That's all they ever say, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's just like they roll out that line all the time, and it was like, mate, we were fit as in, and we were absolutely flying at that time. But yeah, the usual, mate, it's always it's always rolled up.
1: Well, um, he, he was quite, I thought he was quite gorgeous. Like he looked like he could have been on the front cover of Vogue, whereas Jim <laughs> Duffy looked like he, he shouted out the numbers at the Vogue bingo. Was, did, <laughs> did he love himself, Benetti?
2: Ah, oh, they loved himself, eh? Totally loved Probably themselves.
1: Proper slightly black, not they?
2: Proper slight black, eh? they, they did love themselves. They proper rated themselves, but I don't, I don't mind that, to be honest. You know, if, if, if they can back it up, which they did to an extent. You know, I'd, it was uh, interesting times, but yeah, they loved themselves.
1: See how he, he played as well, didn't he, the manager? And he was your position. Would you put him in training?
2: Nah, you know what I was fuming with? He took my number, eh? Because I was number eight. That was my favourite number. So he took my number, eh? So I was devastated. I told him this after. Not at the start, because we didn't have a good relationship at the start. But afterwards, I said, I can't believe you took my number. Uh, he said, oh, that's what I always used to play. And I used to play in the top leagues in Italy. And I was like, ah, fair enough. You know, <laughs> fair enough. But I was fuming, eh? He took my number. So, um, but yeah I-, yeah, I was...
1: Sorry, sorry, you.
2: No, no, I was just saying it was just uh, yeah, just different cultures mate, when they come on. Totally, totally changed it. Yeah.
1: So how come you didn't get on at the start?
2: No idea mate. It was very strange. Like I played I'd so when jockey when we got back up to the Premier League so I played I was, played about 20, 30 games the first season. I played every single game the second season apart from one. I missed one game up at Aberdeen um, and then they came in and then no idea who I was, like absolutely no idea. Like, so I was basically turned up for pre season training. Um, they were basically calling me by my number, number 12. So I was number 12. No idea who I was. I was like, Man, like if you've done any research, I've played the last two seasons, <laughs> all season. <laughs> and I was like, we went to Italy and um, we had done a, it was in the first few, the first week we'd been in Italy. So we were in Italy for three weeks, it was torture as, as as horrendous. Um, up a mountain, just stuck there, secluded, training for three weeks, it was minging. But the first week we were there, we'd done like a, a practice match and it was a, like the first team, the new first team against like the jobbies, the reserves. I wasn't even on either team. I was in, I was in the staff, mate. And I was like, i just played all, all season, the season before. I was like, something wrong here, man. I was like, fuck this, man. It's human. <laughs>
1: That's broken. <probably> that. <laughs> Can't get a game for the jobbies.
2: Uh, mate, what? I couldn't believe it.
1: Would you go and pull them, Doug? Would you say, like, what's happening yet?
2: Not at that time, because it was a brand new regime, man. You know, like, what it's its a clean slate for everyone. So, you know, when managers come in, they always i oh, will give everyone a chance. Just sort of, um, fair enough, you sort of have to fight your way back in. But even the first first few games of the season, I wasn't even on the bench yet. Yeah. I was in the stand watching the game, so I was, like, devastated. And then luckily got my chance. Um, Patricio Bilio got sent off at St. Mirren. And I, was, I think I was the only midfielder on the bench, so... I think he would have been looking around like, oh, who else can play midfield? And luckily, I could play midfield. So he's like, hey, you go, you go. And I've done well, done well Number enough in that 12, game. Number
1: 12, go and get longer. Number 12,
2: you go. No idea what your name is, but you can go on. Have a, have a run, mate. So um, I got on and done done okay. And then Patricio Bilio was suspended for two games. I think it was a naughty challenge he got sent off for. And then I started the next game. And then from there, mate, it was like, he went for having no time for me absolutely loving me. It. it was mental. The okay. change around was unbelievable, mate. It was crazy.
1: What about, uh, see, obviously the Italians are massive on the diet and stuff like that. Did he try and change the boys' diets?
2: Um, not not so much. Well, they had some, because we had like Caballero, like, Caballero would obviously came to the club who had the worst diet ever, the unfittest guy ever, but what a player, mate. Like, what a player. Um. So I think he, he couldn't really say much, too much to us lull, because some of the boys he brought in were of the greatest in terms of their uh, culture and their sort of mentality and professionalism. So we were all right. It was the first day of pre-season. They came in like it was total culture shock in the canteen at lunchtime. They're on the beers and that, mate. First day on the on the, on the fags and that. And we're like, what's going on here, man? Just totally different. Just mental, like totally different to what we're used to. Oh,
1: I um, love that man.
2: Oh, mate, it was crazy. Crazy times but
1: What, the manager would spark a beer?
2: Uh, the assistant, Dario. So, you know, they had the co-manager. So, it was Zabano and his brother, Dario. So Dario <laughs> used to take all the training. Uh, he'd come into uh, the canteen, like, at, half, at lunchtime. Before another session, beyond the beers and that, mate. Will, will, uh, what's going on here? Just totally different, mate. It was mental. It was good. It was good fun.
1: <laughs> oh, brilliant. Uh, you obviously mentioned Caballero there. They brought in some tremendous players. Caballero, Nimsadze, Juan, Sarat. So, did the boys come in and get on with you straight away or did it take a while for you to, to kind of bond?
2: Um, A little bit to bond, I think. But for the, for the majority, and the boys were great. Like They were really good guys that just loved, just love football. And I think they absolutely they loved their time in Scotland. They loved their time at Dundee and how the, the whole scenario of playing for Dundee was. I think it was a lot more... Um, relaxed to maybe some of the stuff they've been used to so yeah, um, the boys the boys that came in were great and by the time they left they were like proper Scotsmen, mate. they loved it every, every weekend and just loving it
1: See when you said about Caballero's diet and like his attitude like what sort of stuff what would he eat and would he just walk about in training?
2: I can't make like if you've ever if you've ever played with Argentinian players or South American players training during the week not interested like no interest come the weekend come the Saturday they just switch it, flick it on mate. It's unbelievable how they can do it. Like, I could never, ever do that. You know, like, most players have got to really train intensely, and then the weekend, they're all right. They boys had no time for training, but come the weekend, it was just, like, flick a switch, and they were amazing. But Caballero was, like, I remember, like, he had a rental car, and somebody, one of the guys, we, we knew what the guy that had the garage that was giving them the rental car. And something happened, it broke, doing that. So he went to, he went to pick it up um, to, like, fix it for him. and. The whole... I remember the boys saying the whole back seat was covered in M&M's. Just M&M packets and M&M's.
0: You know
2: what? This is meant to be our star striker, mate. Just nay, nay, um he Just made professional numbers at all. But he was... Um, and even like doing... We came back one pre-season with Caballero. We'd done the bleep test and we had the heart rate monitors on, right? I think he got to level 8-5, right? 8-5. But it was full of... Like, his heart rate monitor was—it was gone. It was through the roof. That was him, mate. That, I mean, it wasn't Like he wasn't pulling it just for the sake of it for the batter. He was gone. That was him. Fly. <laughs> it was amazing, mate. But what a player, man! Wow. <laughs> well,
1: mate, his face as well. He looked like he smoked about hundred a day, man. He smoked.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what a player, mate. Honestly, What'd incredible.
1: Frightening
2: mate? frightening, mate. See, for a midfielder, like this link-up play, like. The weight of his pass coming back into you when you make your run, it was every time he passed it was perfect. Every single time. It was amazing.
1: Was he the best of all them, Caballero, Nemsadze, Wan because Nemsadse was some player as well, wasn't
2: it? Namzadze was quality, mate. I mean obviously I played in the middle with Georgia done all his running and he'd done like a step over and he'd get a man of the match every week. It was amazing. <laughs> 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 nah, he was quality, mate. He was uh, he scored goals in training and you'd just be like oh, wow, what's a player, man. They- but nah, Caballero was, was probably, the, I think Caballero was probably the best, apart from obviously when Cloudy came in. Would they, would
1: they boys take you, would
2: you take them out in the town? I did, mate. They'd, they'd come to Fatty's and Mardy's all the time, mate. All the time. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I bet, well, I bet it they got it. a
1: few birds, man, didn't
2: they? Ah, oh, mate. They'd be out every night. Like, we. every time we'd come out. And that's what was good about them. They really, like, sort of integrated well. Not so much like, a, Juan Sara was like, a bit, a lot more quiet, didn't drink. Um... Some of the Italian boys didn't drink so much and didn't really come out, but they all tried to make an effort. But the likes of Georgie, uh, Caballero, Car- Beto Carranza, they all loved it, mate. They were all the time.
1: Oh, heroes. Absolute heroes. Right, mate, can you, Jack? When, when, when did you first see me was linked? Was, was it at the Dundee time? Aye,
2: there was, like, again, loads of rumours. Loads of rumours about him coming in, and we were just like, ah, come on. Because we'd been linked with so many like players. Crouch, Peter Crouch was getting linked. There was... It was just like was so many ridiculous rumours. And we were like, nah, not having it. Um, and then like, he turned up to training me and then he you, you came in like with the training gear on, the full Dundee training gear. I was like, ah, this is a, a wind-up, like proper wind-up. Um, <laughs> well, the first day he walked, he never had any of his includes on, he just had the Dundee
1: training
2: kit. No, well, the first time we seen him, he had his training kit on because he'd obviously been like taken to the stadium. We right. were at the training ground. And then so he, he just got like launched onto the training ground with his training gear on. And we were just laughing is incredible, mate. Incredible.
1: What was he like his first day? Was he,
2: was he a, a Lovely guy. Like, really nice guy. Very humble. Chilled. Again, South American. Very relaxed in training. Done what he wants sort of thing, but he could sort of, obviously, accept it. Um, he used to always take his kids. His kids used to come down to training with him. He'd, he'd just be like, he'd join in some things and then he'd toss off other stuff. He always had the hat on and, you know, the long hair. And it was just like, Mate, he was, he was incredible.
1: What would these kids do? Just stand at the side and watch? Or would,
2: would uh, they, like, else he that? would just go and like, have a kick about with his kids. Like, well, we're training. Like, he'd be kicking about with his kids, and not
1: that? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. See you like, I've, I've spoke to a few people the uh, last couple of days, and they say that you're quite an angry guy when you're playing. Like, <laughs> did I annoy you that they would just, did it never annoy you that they would just go through the motions? Did you ever have a go at them?
2: Oh, mate, I used to annoy life with me, but it's hard because, if the manager and that's accepting it, and they sort of let, they're okay with that, then it's hard for me as a player. Don't get me wrong; it used to piss me off because, like all of us, our boys, it the, the spine of the team was still UK-based Scottish boys, and we, as a nation, we'll always work hard. That's what we do. That's what we're known for. So to see them like not tossing off, but just taking it easy sometimes, I did used to get pissed off sometimes, but just had to accept it because unfortunately the the people above us were okay with it and that was it.
1: Uh, Stephen Thompson told us about Kenija that he liked a fag before the game. Would he do the same at Dundee? Would he have a fag before he went out?
2: Exactly same thing, mate. So he'd be in, um, he'd come in for the warm-up and you know in the home dressing at like that, that dingy wee toilet in the side and so he'd be in there and the Benetis would be doing their team talk and you'd just hear him like <laughs> inhaling this fag like, <laughs> he's just, like so like powerful in inhalation of this fag, this mate. You're like, <laughs> and then he would go out and then just be amazing, mate. He was, he was incredible.
1: Is he the best player you've played, Doug?
2: He's the best player I've played with, mate. Like, honestly, I've been very lucky to play with some outstanding players, but I still think he's the best player I've played with. He was, like, honestly, like five levels above like, what, where he was. And he was 33 when he joined, so I could only imagine him when he was in his prime. He must have been ridiculous.
1: Would he ever get frustrated, though, boys? Obviously, not being on his wavelength. Nah, he was all, he was very
2: chilled, mate. He was very relaxed. There, eh? like he was, I think he was just enjoying being back playing football because he'd been out for a while. I remember, he'd been out, he'd been out banned for, he'd like, been banned for drugs or like, can't remember what like test and drug testing he got done, and he's out for a while. So I think he was just buzzing to be playing football and enjoying it. And I, I ended up like having a really good relationship with him on the pitch. Like we we got on very well on the pitch. So I loved him, eh? He's my my hero. Only I loved him. Do you still speak to him there? No not don't speak to him, not so much. No, one of the boys that I keep in touch with, um still speaks to him now and again and um yeah, no, nah, not not me personally, but you nah, know. He's uh, he's still, as I say, one of my heroes, mate.
1: What a guy. Uh, see what all the players come in, the caliber, it was unbelievable, obviously. Like was there a, was there target set by the club? Like what was the ambition? Was it to challenge Shetlick Rangers?
2: It was definitely to be right up there, mate, for sure. It was um definitely to, to push as much as we could. them. Whether it was to sort of break, obviously, into that top top four, top five clubs, not so sure. I think it was more about the model of getting these players, like all the players they brought in and then, you know, building them up and then selling them. But the transfer market, like, fell on its arse. So the whole thing was, was struggling, you know, from, it was pretty much a couple of months after it started, um, the transfer market was dead. So it was like, then we knew there was going to be a problem further down the line. Mm. But we had obviously targets to ourselves to really push on and and we done we done okay. We weren't, probably weren't consistent enough, but when we were on, it was like some of the best football I've played. I've been involved in and you know I've enjoyed that period playing on the Saturday. I didn't particularly enjoy the training. It was like very tactical and a lot of fitness-based stuff and not so much ball work and not really a laugh, you know, as much as what you used to. Um, but the games from the Saturday were amazing. I loved it.
1: Any surreal moments under Vanetti? Like- Obviously, with Italian, see some of the things that they say, in that you pure piss yourself off, and like, did you ever experience anything like that? No,
2: nah, I can't even really remember like stuff they were saying. Like, but we used to, mate, it was a mad time. We used to stay at the Connisti Hotel before home games, like home games.
1: It's further away but from your house, than your house. Further away
2: from the stadium than my house, in a beautiful hotel costing the club a fortune. they wonder, mate. they wonder it was going to end up tits up because it was like, what is... Like every home game. Every single home game, so every away game we're in a hotel. Every home game, and we're like, "Mate, come on!" And it was a beautiful hotel. So I don't know how much it was costing them, but it was uh, it was crazy. But you know what I loved about them, mate? They didn't care who we were playing. They were just like, yeah, like we go to Ibrox, we go to Parkhead, and they're like, "Well, who cares about them? Like we'll play how we play." I loved it. I it was just love,
1: like, I love that, mate. That's what I should
2: Yeah, amazing, mate. They just they couldn't care. I mean, it wasn't like. Disrespectful to their team, but it was just like so much confidence in our, in our in our own team and their beliefs, and
1: it was it was great. I loved it. it was, as I say, it was enjoyable. Because you went to Celtic, you beat both Celtic and Rangers away from home. Like is that is it? Was that just down to that confidence in the team? uh-huh?
2: I am plus having good players playing well at that time. You know, we're a really good squad. Um, and like I say, yeah, they didn't. We didn't go defensive. We never went defensive anywhere where where we went away from home. It was always. No, we're just going to attack and we'll play how we play and that's it, which is really enjoyable to play. Uh,
1: top six of first year, but second year uh, finished ninth. Why was that?
2: Uh, just that inconsistency, mate. Um, we also lost Caballero as well with a bad injury. He was out for a while. Um, so, yeah, losing him. And then Kanija wouldn't have been there the second year as well. I think he'd have been to the Rangers at that point. So there were some big players missing. Um, and we obviously... Try to replace him, but probably couldn't do, do as well as what we could in that first year. And um, yeah, that was disappointing.
1: You're asking for trouble when you're replacing Claudio Canigi with Stephen Milne, aren't you? <laughs> At
2: least I've all done all right, by the way.
1: Dwayne
2: <laughs> okay. Mann done all right.
1: <laughs> uh, could, you, could you tell that Benetti was going to get sacked over here?
2: I think there had been loads of rumours and loads of stuff going on. And I think the, the relationship was starting to break down between the, the club and the board and, and the uh, the coaching staff because they're very like, they were very set in their ways. I, I loved it about them, the fact that they were very set in their ways, but sometimes you've got to be able to sort of compromise a little and they just didn't. They, they just didn't. They. They just, like, it was their way to the highway. Like, yeah, we're staying in a hotel, get it paid for. This is the three matches. We're doing it every day. This is what we want for lunch. Do it or, you know, we we'll are no be happy sort of thing. So there was a bit of, and I think the expense of that was was starting to become a big issue. Um, so there was definitely like rumours, but it didn't. None, we knew it was coming, but we didn't know when it was going to come.
1: We did let you have like a glass of wine that the night before the
2: game God, the Italians. Um, they, mate, they were very chilled out about most stuff. You know, like what, you always get the diet stuff, like oh, you cut out some stuff, like the big big beans and all that. I hate forget that baked beans and like butter and all that, mate. Come on, seriously, get a grip. Um, all that stuff, but no. Apart from that, like the glass of wine, no worries, mate. We were in pre-season up in Italian mountains, and yeah, the boys were on the glass of uh, having wine at like between sessions. Now nah, it's just like totally foreign art. Uh, but yeah, they could you could do it, one.
1: Sorry, the last player I wanted to ask you about this time as well was Kitzbayev played there, man. Like, was he yeah. a screwball?
2: You know what? We used to call him the volcano because uh, like sometimes he would just erupt. He was like. The like training that like fine, but then someone just someone like so innocuous would just set him off and then he would just go off his head like nuts. It was like
1: Did he fight boys?
2: Did he fight boys? Yeah. Did he fight boys? No, nah, not fighting, but just like proper anger and just smashing boys and that just getting stuck into them. Just like mate, come down What a player as well, but he was great. He was a he's a good player, but yeah, mate, he was just like he had this fuse, very short fuse, and he would just go mental.
1: And then his brother comes back to the club, Jim Duffy. Were you surprised <laughs> that it wasn't a, a, a manager for the continent that, that took over Fabianetti? Were all the names that they had done?
2: Uh, not really, because it was sort of like that experiment had been. They'd done the experiment and it's kind of had limited success, but then it had sort of failed towards the end. So I wasn't that surprised. Um, and I was delighted, obviously, Duff was coming back because I've, I've obviously had a good relationship with him. Um, from youth team level, and he gave him a chance at first team. So, I was delighted when he came back. It was great.
1: Did you get your number eight
2: back as well? I did, eh? Straight away. To be to be fair to Benetti, Benetti gave me the second year, think huh? I think he gave me the second year, eh?
1: Oh, did he stop playing the second year, though?
2: Because he was in like, and out. The first year he was in and out, and I think the second year, he, he just didn't want to play as much because he, he knew he couldn't do the both. So, he, I'm sure he gave, he gave me my number back. But that's what I'm saying. He loved me that second year. It was mental.
1: Right. Um...
2: And then he took like a, a higher number, but he never really played at all that second year.
1: See with Duffy, top six and reach a Scottish Cup final. But how did they boys take the Jim Duffy, the foreign boys? Did they like his style compared to that laid back Benetti style?
2: I think they loved it. I think they loved his style. I think Duff done really well in marrying the two cultures together uh, with the players we had and making a a really good, enjoyable environment for us to to for both of us to work in that we both enjoyed and it was great. It was brilliant, brilliant times.
1: See, the times when they were spending big money, was, was there good bonuses? Like, we, we get, were you getting a win bonus? You were thinking, how the fuck are we getting that?
2: Uh, nah, well, um, we did get win bonuses. It wasn't, like, it wasn't like extravagant, but some of the, I can remember like some of the rumours of what some of the boys were on, like the, the wages and that, it was mental. We're just like, how, not, not, that's impossible. <laughs> mental, but, you know, never. you you still know, I
1: never, You're still on bad money at this time, Gov?
2: I was, in, I was in okay money at this point because I'd been playing first team for about five years maybe at this point. So I had kept getting like contract renewals because I was doing all right. And by this time, I'd, made, I'd been playing with Scotland at this point. So um, I had all right money, but seemingly some of the, the money that some of them were on was extortionate.
1: Well, what were talking like 10 grand a
2: week? Ah, well, the rumours. I mean, I don't know for, for certain, but that was the rumours up around about that, yeah.
1: Wow. I live in the Hilton on 10 grand a week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, mate, the Scottish Cup final. Did you feel confident going into that game? Aye. Yeah, we were confident, mate.
2: It was, um, we'd had a good run at it. Got, we we're a good team. Um, we were looking forward to it for sure and felt we had a chance for sure, yeah, going into it.
1: We spoke to Rangers players, quite a lot of Rangers players that played in that final. They said they, said they were steaming for like four days. Did, did, you, uh, did you hear any rumours of that now?
2: No. No, and it absolutely, it's like a dagger in the heart every time I hear that stories, man. Because uh, I hear the boys obviously speaking about it and I was thinking, no way, man. Like, here's us gearing up for the biggest game of our lives and they're out in the lash and they still win. <laughs> so yeah, it was, um, I was, I'm spewing like listening back to that stories and couldn't sense it, didn't know about it during the week. I knew they were going for the treble. Mm. So obviously we were just thinking, oh, there'll be like proper focused and that. Obviously, they weren't, but um, they still managed to go over the line. So, it's definitely frustrating looking back at Because we could have easily won the game.
1: Uh, you used battered them the first half, especially, didn't you?
2: you ba- could have easily won the game. We'd done really well first half. It was a boiling hot day. Um, and we played well enough to win the game, but just couldn't go over the line. Couldn't get a goal. And then like we hit the post early doors. Barry Smith hit the post early doors. And then, obviously, Amoruso got the, got the um, header from a corner.
1: Would that be your most frustrating thing for your time at Dundee? Obviously you won the championship, but that wee chance of winning a Scottish Cup, does that still kinda of eat away at you?
2: Ah, definitely. I, just, I mean any time you get to a cup final you're gonna win. It's just, uh, you look back and it's frustrating. But obviously that and the administration as well, just like that was terrible times, mate.
1: See, so just on Barry Smith, did you ever see him put a bit of product in his hair? <laughs>
2: <laughs> nah, he the fuzzy the fuzzy dome for years, mate, you loved it. <laughs>
1: What was he like, Barry's
2: Do you know? Man, to be a, a madman on the drinks? Ah, uh, loved love. Barry's love the baby. Yeah, Baz, <clears throat> Baz had this thing. He used to like always good. It doesn't do it now. But whenever he, whenever we went out on a Saturday, he'd be first. He'd be out straight away on the Sunday. But he would always like straight out, like twelve o'clock. But he'd be in his bed by five in the on the Sunday, ready to go to in on the Monday because he'd had a massive sleep overnight. That's <laughs> his legend. Man. Is he a
1: massive? Dun- is he a dun- He was. He was a, is he a Celtic fan or a Dundee fan?
2: Well, he's played for Celtic when he was younger than that, and then he came to Dundee. But yeah, I was at Dundee for years, mate. So
1: he's a I mean, we
2: played together in the team together. So I came through with bad. So I've got a lot of time for him.
1: Brilliant, uh, right, mate? Next season things get out of control. More expensive sign-ins, Ravinelli, Craig Burley. Was there a point that you thought like this is this is going tits up? This is not going to end well.
2: Uh, it was strange because you know we were still bringing in these sort of players after the sort of experiment from before, so. We were like, what, 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 what they're doing? What, why are they still doing that? But I think it was like they were just going shit or bust, mate. Just going to try and get the best players and what like they could, and then hopefully do well and hope for the best. But yeah, it was crazy to still see players like that coming in. And obviously, Ravanelli was with his background was was huge, and, and Butler obviously played for Scotland and had a great career as well. So it was um, it was interesting, very interesting to still see that signings coming in, mate.
1: Were you uh, were you close enough? Ever close enough to like the owners or the chairman to say like what's going on here?
2: Nah, nah, nah. I never had that relationship at all with any of them because it, it changed quite a few times. Um, and at that point, I was just concentrating on my career, mate, as a player because you know as a I always had to just try and concentrate as much as I could in my own career and make sure I was good enough to be playing every week, mate. To be honest.
1: See when that happened, Toby, was your thoughts that like, I need to get out of here? I need to try and get myself a move because this is going to go.
2: Um, I was at that point in my career when I needed to move anyway, I felt, you know, I was I'd been playing in, at the top level with Dundee for a good few years. Um I'd been about I'd been about twenty-four, maybe twenty-five at that point. So I was ready, mate. I was ready for a move. So it sort of it was good timing for me, um and good timing for the club when the when the move came about, but horrible circumstances.
1: Just on Ravenelli, mate, how how was he? What was he like as a guy?
2: He was a good guy. Lovely guy. Um really good with the young boys, like trying to make sure they were doing the things right and coaching points for the young boys. He was great. <laughs> it was funny, mate. I remember um, the administration, mate, went into administration and he came in and like, he's saying to the boys, he saying to the club and that, he's like saying, oh, listen, I feel really bad for the players. No, it's all right for me. I've made money. I'll smoke a cigar. I'm fine. But for the young boys, it's rubbish. <laughs> he was raging, like he was, he was sticking up for the young boys, but it was brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. He was just like I'll be smoking cigars. I like fair play, mate. But he was there. Uh, no, he was. He was really good. Lovely, good character.
1: Well, about Burley, because he comes across as quite a controversial character, quite outspoken. Was he like that as well? But so I knew
2: Burley. I knew Craig from playing with Scotland. But my first experience with Butlers, nickname, wasn't very good. So I'd been called up for Scotland when I was twenty-three. When I was playing for Dundee. Um. And then, so got into training, like, proper, like, you know, apprehensive, going into training, 23, playing with Scotland, and got to training. And then, so got through my first training session, like, felt I'd done okay, so I was buzzing. And then picked up the paper the next day, and um, basically Butler was saying, oh, it's, it's all right having these young boys in and around the squad, but they've got to be good enough. I was like, hell, man, absolutely killed us. So whether he was misquoted or whatever, I, I was just thinking, prick, man. I'm just I'm trying my trying like a bear here to be up to standard, and you've absolutely killed me. Um he was always an outspoken character, but yeah, he was alright when he came back to Dundee. He was fine. Didn't play that much because obviously he wasn't there that long before we went into the administration.
1: Is that true, though, that he lost his teeth chasing his first touch? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Right, uh De Stefano mate comes on the board, his clients, Harold Shipman, Saddam Hussein. I mean, did you ever meet him? Did you hear any experiences
2: with him? I used to used to come to the games, like and I'd met him, but you know, he was it wasn't really much to do with like the playing side, but yeah, some of the some of the stories and, and what he'd done and what he'd been through and that was just like it was like a con man, eh? You just thought this guy's at it, there's, there's something wrong here. There's something there's someone up here. Um I think everyone thought that, but it's uh, yeah, it was again another really strange time in in Dundee's sort of history.
1: Right, mate, Dundee, 2003, administration, 25 people losing their job. Uh, what can you remember for the, the days?
2: That was horrible, mate. I had one of the worst days in, my, in football. Um, I played for Scotland, got pumped 6-1 in the Holland game in the European playoff, chasing Davids about for 90 minutes and couldn't get near him. And then came off the pitch and got told the club was in the administration and we had to fly back for a meeting the next morning. So it was horrible, mate. I... You know, there was boys there, there was staff that had been at the club for like, like the whole time I was there, eight, nine years. Big Jamie came through YCS and me, been there for about seven, eight years. Duffy just read out their names. All these boys were gone. If your name's read out, you're gone, basically. you had to just pack your bag, black bags. Boys are going to the boot room, getting the black bags. Gone, that was it. Contract ripped up. They were going to get like a per- tiny, tiny percentage of the contract. It was horrible, horrible times.
1: Was there tears? Was there, was there people oh. in tears?
2: There was the, the players were no players were all right. I think they were a bit in shock and disbelief at what had happened. Um but some of the like the staff who were like having to deal with it, and like the the board members having to tell the players were, were devastating me. They were like in tears one of the guys couldn't date and that's why Duffy ended up having to he took the list off him and the Duff had to do it. So Duff had to tell all the boys like they were gone. It was minging me. Oh my god, man.
1: I have never seen anything like I've never heard anything like that. I could only Wow. Uh, so you played your last game at Celtic Park did you know that would be your last game for Dundee no
2: nah, I thought I thought, might, I thought there might be a chance because it was coming close to the chance window and there'd been loads of rumours you know about I mean one of the reasons I got kept on was because at, <coughs> at that point I was viewed as an asset for the club um, small asset but an asset at that point which, which was alright <laughs> um, so yeah no, I, there'd been rumours but I didn't realise that was going to be my last game I'd had this niggling hamstring injury. It was annoying. So uh, I, maybe a few weeks before I left, that was my last game. But I didn't know it was going to be my last game at that point, no.
1: So when did you first hear for
2: Rangers? Oh, there'd been, I'd been sort of linked with Rangers a, a, few, a few times. Like, So I'd actually been linked with Rangers when Advocate was the manager because um, I was playing really well. But then I think they failed to get to the Champions League. But if they got to the Champions League, they were going to put an offer in through my agent. He was telling me because... You know, you'd have like, the squad for like, the Champions League and then you'd, you'd still got the SPL So, to have a bigger squad. So they ended up getting beat. So I, that never came about. So I was devastated at that point. And then um, McLeish had been in touch with my, with my agent again. And it moved quite quickly after that. I think their hand got forced because of, um, I think there was a couple of injuries to their midfielders at that point. So I had a chance to go straight into the team.
1: 250 grand bid accepted. You feel like it should have been a bit more?
2: Nah, I was am more than happy with that, mate, to
1: be honest. You're talking it, young man.
2: Mate, it was uh, I had this thing in my contract, you know you get like a percentage of the deal on that. And the duff the duff gave it the pure violin strings. Oh, we're gonna what about if you leave it for the the club and the and the youth team, we could put it towards academy, the youth team. You came through the youth team, and I was like, ah, alright, Duff, never mind. So I just left it. And it was a good point. It was like he was making a, a pretty valid point, and I was like it worked for everyone. I got my move. The, uh, the club got a bit of money. Um, so everyone was sort of happy. It was perfect.
1: So, what, you gave a bit of your money to the, the club?
2: I could have taken more of this. I'd have I had a signing on feed if I didn't waive it to go back to the club, basically.
1: Oh, what a man. That must have felt good, no?
2: No, not at the time, that was minging. But it was the right, right thing to do. It was the right thing to do, of course.
1: Brilliant for you uh, What was it like The day you signed For Rangers mate? Can you remember The drive through The first time You speak to Alan McLeish Talk us through The full day
2: So I'd been up in, I was up in Aberdeen visit visiting my family And then McLeish phoned us And he says Listen we're going to We're going to get This deal done He says no, We're delighted To get you on board And I was like oh, Brilliant thanks very much Can't wait to get started Went down Done my medical And um, obviously A bit apprehensive A bit of nerves And as I say I'd had this sort of Niggling hamstring injury So I'd done all the, the Medical Done the, loads of MRIs Perfect. Medical fine. But I had to go to the ground and do, I had to go to the training ground and do a fitness test. So, gets to the training ground and it was a fitness test with a physio and two players that were coming back from injury as well. And we had to do like this, was this it was a skills session, mate. Right, listen to this. Mikey Moles and Ronald DeBoer. And me, and I'm like, oh wow, this is going to be a test. They're just going to be thinking, who is this guy? Seriously, mate, I've never done, I've never done skills in my life. I've never even done, I've done, I think I've done one crouch done in my whole career. So I was just like, oh no, this is going to be tough. Um, but managed to get through it. It's probably the most skillful I've ever been for an hour and a half in my career, mate. It was amazing, but it just pure proper concentration. Um, so yeah, got got through the medical. I got the deal signed and, yeah, it was buzzing, mate. Buzzing to get in and, and train the squad the next day.
1: Mate, they've stitched you up with that, by the way. There's no way. Who does a skills test in their medical?
2: Mate, I was like, oh. it was like a fitness test, but the, it, it turned into like the fitness test had skills in it. And the running part, I was buzzing. And I was like, I What is it? As soon as it came to the skills, I was like, oh, no, here we go.
1: <laughs> was Moles in the bar, Were with a joke, even though they were still... Just mate, it, they were it?
2: unbelievable. Unbelievable, mate skills for fun. I was like, oh no, I'm going to have to really like try and produce someone here.
1: <laughs> oh, Amazing. Uh, what was Alex McLeish like? Good guy?
2: Good, eh? Yeah, no, good. Really, you know, I, I grew up in Aberdeen and he was, you know, played for a team I supported when I was growing up. So he's a hero of mine anyway. Yeah. So it was kind of surreal that he was now uh, going to be the gaffer. So, um, but yeah, no, big, large in life character
0: they can prescribe fda-approved weight loss medications like wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify plus they accept most insurance plans to get started visit plushcare.com slash weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss
2: good coach uh yeah i was buzzing to get the deal done mate
1: because ferguson left the previous summer didn't he uh was that kind of your challenge going to take his spot
2: Aye, and they'd signed a few players as well, and I think they had a few injuries as well. So, Nick, Christian Nellinger was there, Serteta was there. Um, they had Emerson. Do you remember Emerson? He, yeah, for
1: mate,
2: he was fuming when I turned up for training. Me, fuming. <laughs> I can still feel his stare at me just now. Me, just like oh wow, because <laughs> <laughs> he's obviously known that I've came as a centre midfielder. Um, he probably he didn't know who I was, but somebody must have told him, oh, he's a centre midfielder, and he'd probably just thinking, oh, for fuck's sake. So he was fuming, like, so we'd done shape the, the day before the, the old firm game, and I was playing, and he was at the team, so he was tossing everything off me. He was fuming. Absolutely fuming. Mate, oh, the guy was like
1: 35 at the time, man. Who cares?
2: I know, but obviously, he still thought he was amazing. He was still good, obviously, but, you know, he was he was just thinking, who's this wee dick coming to take him <laughs> my position? Sort of. So it was... Uh, yeah, it was a bit a bit nerve wracking, but good to just good to get in and get training with the team and and get sort of used to um, the new squad because it's the first time I'd moved in my career. I'd never moved, so it was, right. it was brand new to me as well.
1: Did he actually ever say anything, Emerson, or Was it just a the there?
2: I was just a desk there, and you and could tell he was pissed off, and he was just tossing everyone off. But he, he left pretty soon after because you know I think he'd he'd been up to. I think the manager had, had enough of him anyway. So um, yeah, he wasn't there for long.
1: Who's to do? Straight away, who stood out
2: ability-wise? Who, who were you thinking of? What a player. Uh, Arteta was phenomenal. You know, obviously similar, well, same position as me. And you play against him in training and just try, you couldn't get a ball off him, mate. He was like such a so, low centre of gravity, twisting and turning. Just couldn't get near him, mate. He was like, he was like proper arrogant. No, I didn't like Arteta at that point. I think he's, he's chilled out a bit now, but he was like proper arrogant at that time. And whether it's just the way his character was, I was just thinking, mate, you're a dick, you know, just like, a bit more welcoming mate, you know, uh-huh. he was just very, very up himself at that time, but, um, obviously.
1: Is it like you know, that about club Governor? is there a few players that are like that, is it a lot less welcoming than, than say a Dundee?
2: Uh, it can be, I think, and I think that because you go up that level, you know, you go up to all these, all these players, every single one's an international player, yeah. you know, so everyone's, they've got to have that, you've got to have that uh, belief in yourself, it's something that I probably lacked in my career, I see some players that, you know, have got so much self-belief in themselves. They're the ones that will make the top grade because they, they believe in themselves so much. Um, and I think a lot of, the, obviously, coming into a dressing room like Rangers, I mean, as I say, everyone was internationals. All very good players, very good, tough mentality, good characters. So it can be daunting when you go in as a, as a player coming from Dundee, of course.
1: I know Barry Ferguson wasn't there, but was there ever any, any players at the start? Like when you make a mistake in training, they'd properly get on you. Uh, Stephen Thompson I'm told the story about Ronald de I don't
2: know if you've seen it, mate, but I absolutely. Yeah, haven't. I did. I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now to be fair, like he was all right, mate. You know who? Um, Jan, Jan Wouters. You know the assistant. He, he, like yeah. he said something to me in training, like, and I didn't agree with, and so I, I'd said to him like, well, nah. He stopped the full training, mate. I was like, oh, fuck I wish I hadn't <laughs> said nothing, eh? So I was basically saying like, you, should, you should come into me and then go out, and he says no. You just, you should just miss him out, and I was like. Right, okay, but you could still come to me in I could date. and date. He said, nah, nah. stop the full training. And I was like, oh, fuck. So I was like, right. And then just sort of had to agree with him. And I was just like, right, you've got to know, I've got to sort of learn, I've got to know when to sort of pick my battles and who to pick them with. Um, Fernando was demanding, very demanding. Um, and Fernando and I used to kick lumps at each other in training. Like, we had a relationship where we could kick shit out of each other in training. But both accepted. Like he could smash me, and I'd I'd take it, and I could smash him, and he would take it. Um, again, another tough character, and yeah, there was some some good players there for sure.
1: What about who was good with you? like uh, personality wise? Who who kind of helped you settling?
2: Mickey Moles was brilliant with me, mate. Really good with me. I, I still speak to Mickey now. He was he was brilliant. You know, for someone like that to sort of. Probably know that it was it was a daunting time for me coming into a club like that and into that dressing room. Um, he was great. I mean, I knew some of the boys anyway. I knew, obviously, if, well, Fergie wasn't there at that point, but some of the boys from Scotland anyway. So I knew some of them. Um, Mikey was great. I can remember I got stitched up in the paper um, not long after I went, mate. Absolutely devastated. So we had, a, we had a game against Hearts, I think it was, on the Saturday. And, uh, so I had done the press on the Friday. And if you played for the old firm and you get selected to do the press on the Friday, you're just like, oh, fuck, because you just know, you know, someone something you might get set up. Yeah. So it was just like, all right, okay. At this point, I didn't know this. This is my first <laughs> first press conference. So one of the guys says, like, oh, there had been a bit of a tough time for, for Rangers at that point. We weren't doing particularly well. And one of the guys, the press guy says, like, if someone was just behind It was like an off-the-cuff comment. i was just like, do you think, like, foreign players coming to Rangers coming to a club at Rangers, know how much it means to um, the club when maybe not getting results or things aren't going so well. And I, I just basically says, well, yeah, maybe because I've like, grown up in Scotland, I've obviously seen Rangers and set up like, in the expectations and that. Um, he totally changed it. So the headline was the next day, foreigners don't have a clue what it means to play for Rangers. And bearing in mind, I'm in a dressing room with Stefan Kloss, Mikey Moles, shot out all these boys have won leagues and cups. with Rangers. And I'm like oh, my. It's my first first uh, con- press conference, mate. I was devastated. And we had hearts the next day. So I remember going through, with the-, get the bus through the next day. And I remember somebody chucked me the paper. I was on the bus early. And I seen the paper and I was like, oh, fuck. Like proper shit myself. And then Stefan, so Stefan Kloss was fuming, fuming, raging, mate. Raging. Like f- proper raging, like.
1: What, did, he then, did he say something?
2: Did he say something? You know, he, he, he said someone, he, he basically held up the papers, that he sh- he sh- saying to all the boys, like, "The fuck's this?" Like, oh, no. <laughs> proper like shrinking into the seat, right? So we play the game. Uh, Craig Moore scores a penalty, and they equalise in the last minute. So everyone's fuming in the dressing room. I was like, oh, I was just praying we could get a win. Everyone's fuming in the dressing room. So Stefan brings it up again. In the after the game. And I was like, oh, no. Nah. So it was Stefan, S- Steph Kloss, Mikey Moles, and the gaffer. Everyone else had left, and the gaffer was like, right, you, you all stay, stay here. And Mikey was amazing. Mikey stood up for me. and says, Stefan, come on. You know what like, the press can be. You know he's obviously just, He didn't mean it like that. And Mikey Moles was amazing. Mate. He properly like, okay. protected me from a situation that could have been horrendous. It's kind of strange, though, because after that, like, Stefan and I got on brilliant, but just that day, mate, it was horrible, huh?
1: Mate, that's the worst. Like you say, you're just praying the team wins. I mean, cause you know it's going to be brought back up, man. It's the worst.
2: Horrible, mate.
1: Terrible. Uh, right, mate, just a bit a bit about your debut. Like you say you'd done shape there and you were in the team. Did you expect to play against Celtic at Celtic Park?
2: Well, the, the gaffer had said, you know, if we can get the deal done on time, then you'll play. Um, and that's why I was, like, doing all the tests, doing all the MRIs. And also, um, I trained with the team twice two full training sessions so if I got through them then I was going to be able to play obviously um, so I was looking forward to it you know I'd signed I'd only signed two days before and then obviously the first game I think it was the 3rd of January yeah.
1: how, was the dressing, how was the dressing room before a Celtic Rangers game? What's it like?
2: I, intense you know there's, there's tension and you know proper people getting up for it but I was at that stage in my career mate, I was confident in myself you know I was ready to, I was ready for it I was ready to do it I was ready to get the boots on get the strip on and go out there and and go play and go and try and prove myself, but um, yeah, no, I was—I'd uh, never been to an old firm game. You know, I, I, you we used to always go out and Dundee and watch your games on a Sunday, Super Sunday. We'd go and watch all the old firm games. All the boys—it was amazing. But I'd actually never been to a game, so my first game was actually playing in one. It was mental. How was the noise now that when you walk it? Crazy, mate. Absolutely crazy. Like you can't like from me to like five meters away, your teammate—you can't even hear them because of the noise. There's, you can't even. There's no point in shouting. No point. You can't even hear.
1: Well, and then a nightmare, mate. You come off after 35 minutes. And, and so you see when that happens. just like panic set in straight away. I've just signed here. We've been beat three and a half. Like, I'm now injured. Is that hard to get back to top form after that's happened to you?
2: I, you know. You know what, mate? It it's set the whole, the precedence for, for yeah. the whole move. It set the whole three and a half years of the there, mate. It was minging. Um, it was just like, you know, it was hard enough coming into the team. I'd had this sort of injury, but it was, it was sort of away. But... I remember making a burst and run into the box, past Lenny, got the ball, and then felt my hammy just going, And I was, I can't believe I'm going to have to come off here. And obviously we ended up getting beat as well. It was just, it was minging, it, absolutely minging, and just knew it was going to be a battle up and up against it all the way from there on in.
1: How hard has it been at a team like Rangers when it's not going well? Like, see day to day life when you're injured as well, and the atmosphere around the place is it, is it horrible?
2: mate, it's a disaster. You know what like the clubs are, mate. If you lose one game or draw a game, it's a total disaster. It's like, it's unacceptable. So, you know, if, you're, if you've are if you got that, plus I wasn't playing, I was out injured, it's just you're helpless to do anything. It's minging in. And, you know, obviously it's not a way you want to start a move. And um, it was a terrible start to my move.
1: Can you see, like, can you see boys arguing in training? Is it constantly arguing? And is there, like, friction in the dressing room? Or were they players not really like that?
2: it's more just like demanding, you know, more of each other and to try and make sure that the club wins because nobody wants to be in that situation when they're not winning at a club like Celtic or Rangers because it's, it's horrible, mate. It's just like proper intense pressure all the time and, you know, everyone's trying to, like, make it better but it's tough. It's tough when you're in that little rut and you can't get the wins.
1: Yeah. And in second season as well, mate, didn't they play uh, much in the next season. Was that doing injuries as well?
2: Aye, so I came back the... Um, from a hamstring injury, I'd missed seven seven games. I, I missed seven weeks, made sure Mohammed was all right, came back, got a run in the team. So I played 11 games in a row, scored a couple of goals and then done my cushion up at Tannadice against uh, United uh, for rain. Um, and it was a 3 old draw, I think the game was. Um, and then from there, it was just a nightmare after another. I made ACL reconstruction. I'd never done injury in my life, like major injury, ACL reconstruction. And then coming back from that, um, I had a problem with my right knee where I had to get my quadriceps tendon shaved so I missed two years basically
1: you get that big move and then that happens at Dundee and Rangers oh. on once how does that happen?
2: mate it's so strange like before Rangers and after Rangers I never really had any um, just at Rangers it was all all my injuries condensed in my career was at Rangers and minging because I was, went there to win to win trophies to enjoy it to enjoy playing at a club at Rangers I brought every week weekend week out Training at a, on a beautiful training field, I just never got a chance, you know, and plus clubs like that, you're sitting, in, I'm in the gym every day, you know, doing my work and try to get back. There's new signings coming into my position, like they must have signed about five midfielders in that time, so you're just like, pff, it's going to be a tough road back, but you've just got, to, just got to keep going, I suppose.
1: One of the midfielders, Barry Ferguson, came back, and um, when you see him signing again, do you think, like, it's going to be impossible for me to get back in this team?
2: It was always going to be tough. I mean, the players that they did sign uh, to come into that position were obviously very good players. Fergie coming back, um, he'd obviously been there and done it all with Rangers um, and obviously with Scotland. And Fergie and I are roughly the same age. I think he's six months younger than me or six months older. not much in it. So we'd played youth team level. So I know what level he was at. He was a fantastic player. So I knew it was going to be tough. Um, But I was just, to be honest, I was just thinking, I'll get back and I'll get playing with him. You know, I'll get... Whoever's playing in midfield, you know, I'll try and get in, try and get in involved and just never really got a, got a good run at him.
1: Any stories of Eggy, on like how, how demanding he is? Like, I'm being on voice straight away.
2: Ah, He's proper demanding. Like, I can remember um, we played a game at Ibrox and it was funny. I, was, I wasn't even playing. I wasn't meant to be playing. So we have done shape on the Friday. This would have been Walter Smith's time. And I wasn't meant to be playing in, in that, in the game and we'd done shape, and somebody got injured in the shape, so I ended up, the right midfield position came up, and Walter's like, "Oh, you, you fancy playing now? I said, ah, oh, fuck it, I'll play there, Any worries, I'll play, play wherever. <laughs> Mate, I was absolutely terrible in the game, like right? minging, the first half, minging, I couldn't do nothing right. I was thinking, like, it's not been that far from centre midfield, i thinking it was gonna be alright, I was minging, I was taking corners, never took a corner in my life, you know, just <laughs> everyone in the whole day it was just minging. And um, I made a mistake in the first half, I think, in. Fergie's like, I could see him just like looking at me, I was just like, basically, what the fuck are you doing? And for him to do that, in front of the crowd, I'm thinking, fuck sake Fergie, you're killing me here, I know I'm having a nightmare, but you doing that, as me helping, it's not helping me one bit. Um, and eventually, it came in a second, and I've actually scored a diving here, so i always forgotten, but yeah, tough, he's very demanding, but this his character, and that's why he's been a winner.
1: Mate, centre midfielder playing right mid, I don't know, it's oh. the worst, it is the worst, right. I absolutely hate it. Um, the, the 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 team still won the league that year. So were you made to feel part of the celebrations, or was it? Could you enjoy? Still enjoy it? You still played that game? Um, medal, didn't you?
2: No, nah, I never. Well, I never played one minute that the year we won the league. Never played. That was the year I missed out, so I never played right. one minute. So um, that was when I was out with, inju- with injury. So it's tough because you, you feel part of it. The way the way Rangers' training ground set up, so the gyms in the main part. So everyone's always in the gym. So I was always with the boys before and after training and out in the training if you my running and stuff, you could feel part of it a little bit, but not in terms of the games. I was always there to try and push them on when you know it was a bad result or you know we done well and try and keep the encouragement. But you don't really feel part of it as much as you know, obviously as much as playing. What I do, what I did enjoy and what I look back on fondly is the fact I got to witness the celebrations from inside. Like, you know, in the dressing room after the game, on the bus back to Ibrox, at Ibrox on the on the pitch with the league trophy and that. To be able to say I've enjoyed to be part of that was, was amazing. Even though I didn't play part of the game, I still look at that firmly. Don't get me wrong, if I'd been able to be part of it, it would have been a hundred times better. But it was still good to see that. But it's, it's difficult to feel part of it when you're out for so long.
1: Uh, third season, mate, as I missed again, due to injury, Alex McLeish, like, go, new manager coming in. Did you think, like, new manager coming in, this is my chance now, fresh start, get fit and impress him?
2: Yeah, so I'd finished that season. I played the last few games of that season um and was doing well. I actually ended up playing for Scotland in the summer. Um so, you know, it was, for me it was perfect time and I was ready to go. I was actually got a decision season finish because I was just getting into to hit my strides, but you know, with Le Gwen coming in, new manager, thought, yeah, great ideal, you know, a you new, new clean start, everyone's clean slate. So I was I was buzzing, mate, I was looking forward to it.
1: Mate, everyone was buzzing when Le Gwen got the job, wasn't it? Because he was a big name at Leon and they the players the same, eh? Huh?
2: Mate, it was a everyone, like, I think everyone's the same as the fans. It was a massive coup, you know, because he'd done so well at on. You know, there was teams, big, massive teams in the world courting him to try and get him. And then, you know, he, he went for Rangers. So we were buzzing, mate. It was a massive, massive um, appointment of that we felt at that point.
1: See, like, see, when he first came in and he said, like, about the fitness and how he was going to change everything, were the, the players receptive straight away? Because I know myself, when De Canio came to Swindon, mate, he gave a big speech the first day. About how he's going to change everything. And we walk in the dressing room and say, "This guy's kidding himself, oh, man. This will never happen." Was it? Was it someone at Rangers?
2: Exactly the same, mate. You know what it's like. You know, trying to change culture so quickly is very difficult, mate. And um, he was very similar, mate. Same thing. Neat baked beans. You know, neat poached eggs or something. Something stupid. Like he was just like, "What? Oh, all right." Just like no. Just not what we were used to. Um, and I can get why people try and do it and try and change the culture, but if you do it too quickly, then. The boys were just thinking, mate. Come on, just relax a bit, you know. Um, but yeah, no, he was. He was very like down the line, straight down the line.
1: Was he, did he take you straight away? Go. I,
2: had, I got, on, I got on well with me. You know why most coaches will, I'm fine with because I'm a. I was always a good pro, like proper professional, dedicated to my craft. You know, really uh, enjoyed training, enjoyed the games, and never really a disruptive force. So I was, I got on with most of my coaches, and I think he just enjoyed it. He liked the fact that I was a proper professional and, you know, uh, try to look after himself as much as possible. So I had, I had an issue with him, at all. Eh?
1: How, was, how was the pre Was it as tough as everyone makes it or was it quite easy for you?
2: It was tough, mate. And I can remember, I think, watching Charlie's um, show with you. Charlie that year, mate, when he came back, mate, wow, he was on fire, mate. Like, I can remember he came back and obviously Charlie's a big unit. He was like... Five ten lengths in front of everyone, mate. He was flying, mate. But it was a proper tough preseason. But that's how he got his chance because he was doing so well. He was so far in front. Um, it, it was just. But as I say, a different culture. Like even like stretching and training, you weren't allowed to talk to each other and stretching when you were stretching before training. You had to proper concentrate. And we were like, come on, man, seriously. It was so stuff like that I, I don't particularly like. But um, it was. It was just a totally different preseason.
1: Charlie was flying. Who was struggling?
2: <laughs> Usuals, <laughs> Bob, mate. Bob Malcolm's always up there, or, or not up there, but behind. Uh, yeah, no, nah, Bob wasn't. Bob wasn't the greatest at pre-season. Um, he oh, could ping, yeah. both. Oh,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah? Could ping both, though, couldn't he? Oh, mate, technique, unbelievable, mate. Passing ability, quality, mate.
1: Yeah. Uh, how, how early did like the serious issues start to arise? Was it Fernando, Fernando Rixon incident on the plane?
2: Aye, so that, was, that would have been the first major one, obviously. That was pretty you know, pretty early on in his, his reign. So, you know, I think the the incident with Fernando, I think he tried to, like, set his stall out, as if to say, like, you can't fuck with me or else you're gone, no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. And Fernando obviously being one of our best players, mate, and he he played a season like a couple of seasons before. So he set his stall out. This is what we're doing. I don't care who upset you. You basically you abide by my rules, or you're you're gone, basically. And that was a that was a major major incident for the team.
1: What are you thinking when you're watching that?
2: I couldn't believe it, mate. I actually couldn't believe it. I remember. Um, so what happened was, obviously, we we're fighting South Africa in pre season, and we were all just I can remember just like trying to doze off in the plane, and then Fernando was getting a bit boisterous. I think he'd had a couple of drinks, and then we landed, and then the next minute. Like when he got the group together. He'd obviously pulled Fernando. Fernando got sent to a different hotel and next flight, next flight here, told the group, he would like pulled the group together, says his behaviour or what he's done, it's not professional, he'll never play for this club again. And we were like, oh, the fuck, mate, wow. Like it was, because he was such a big player for us, we were like, oh, fucking hell. Like, all right. So he, I think, as I say, he was, I think he was just trying to set a stall out. He had to sort of, his way or the highway sort of thing.
1: See at that stage, government did he stand up and say like, "Nah, I disagree." I don't think he's done anything too bad.
2: I think he could mate because he was still really early in his reign, so we didn't even know him. We didn't know, you know, how he would take that. And I think over time, even if we had done that, it would have been the wrong thing because that wasn't his. That wasn't his way, mate. Like if you if you opposed him, gone, mate, finish.
1: So they have that aura about him that players were scared of. him?
2: Scared of him just because he wasn't. He was ruthless just to say, but fuck you, I like don't care who you are, like, you'll be gone if you don't do what I do. But you know, like, you're, you're expecting from a manager to get everyone together so you're all sort of pulling in the right direction. That's more like, he's just saying this is the way it is and that's it. Which isn't it. It's not particularly conducive to getting the best out of
1: a, of a team uh,
2: dynamic, but that was his that was his way and he, he just dealt with
1: As a guy who I know loves a tackle and loves working hard and training, like, we spoke to your other teammates, they were in bewilderment, Bel- 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 sorry, when Phil Barsley was sent off for a tackle on Buffett and in training. Were you the same? Were you thinking like, what the fuck was going on here? I thought it was harsh.
2: Like, what a challenge it was, man. It was like the best challenge ever. Like, it was hard but fair. Like, he timed it absolutely perfect. Buffed done about six somersaults, but it was like, it was perfect timing. He, he absolutely nailed him, but within the laws of the game, like, it wasn't like, there was no like studs up. It wasn't over the ball. He just nailed him. He like timed it perfect and nailed him. But I think it was such a hard challenge that like Gwen had a problem with it and just sent him off. And we were like, right, all right, I can sort of see where you're coming from, but fuck, that's a bit harsh. Because Budge was a great player for us, mate. He was just like, yeah. he was a good, good player. So we were like, fucking hell. That weakens us because at that point, we weren't winning every week. We were, You know, there was results that weren't great. So we were desperate to have the best players
1: playing. So would he actually say to you, he like, don't tackle each other in training?
2: Not, not openly, but... He, I think it became quite apparent that you couldn't go maybe as hard as what you'd been used to. Like I say, me, I used to mean. Fernando used to kick lumps at each other in training, and he probably wouldn't have accepted that in that next season. You could always be competitive, but nothing, nothing too much. If it was anything above the line, then you were struggling.
1: How can you play for Rangers on a Saturday if you can't tackle like that in training Monday to Friday?
2: Well, this is this is the problem, and I think a lot of the. A lot of the problems at that point was just because we weren't getting results. That was the most, it's the most important thing, obviously, at any club. But a club that ranges when you're not getting results, you know, it's, it's the worst ever. So boys are desperate to do something to get to like get the team going, to get yeah. that results going, and get the, the feel good factor back. But we just couldn't do it because we didn't sustain enough results.
1: What did Barsley say when he sent him off? Did he just walk in, or did he say like, "What the?" F-
2: what- I, I think he's about- angry, basically. Well, like, what the fuck, and then. He's like, no, go, and he was like, it's all right. So he just went.
1: See, before the Fergie issues, like, could you tell someone was going someone massive was going to kick off? Was it, was it on the horizon ahead?
2: I think there was, there was bits here and there. I think Fergie had hip surgery, so he wasn't playing, and obviously he was a big loss to the team. So um, he was coming back into training, but wh- I think one of the first incidents was every Monday we used to do this mad run, so it was like six laps of so the whole Murray Park. It was a grind, me, And it was tough. And you had to do it in a certain time. On a Monday so morning? It was a Monday morning or a Monday Mate, it was a Monday afternoon. Like, at like one o'clock, we used to train. Or, like, one o'clock, you'd do this mad 6K run, and then you'd go training, and your legs were fucked, mate. This was after, after the games on the Saturdays and Sundays. Mental. So, Fergus came back into training, and I think one of the first instances was everyone had to do this run in a certain time. Fergie was struggling to do it in the time because he's just back from hip surgery. So he's been, he's just back into training. And Le Guin took, like, he was saying, well, no, you need to be up. You're no fit if you're not up in the team. And like Fergie's like, mate, I've been out for like three months. You know, it's my first run back. So that, that started off. It was nothing too major, but there was a definite, you could see, like, there was a possible clash coming there. And then it just sort of manifested itself from there, eh?
1: And then what do you remember of the actual incident?
2: The one what incident are you talking about?
1: The one that he told fair he took the captaincy off Fergie. So basically what happened
2: was I think we played Inverness up in Inverness and I think we either, I think we lost maybe two one or one all. It was one all draw, but I think it was maybe a loss. It was around about Christmas time. And we came back into the dressing room and Le Guin sort of um he's not a he wasn't a rant or a raver in the dressing room, you know, very very quiet. But we would just been beat from Inverness. it was things were scored shit anyway. And he's like, "When's like, No, no, it's okay, it'll be fine, you know, next week fine. That was always his magic that's always his approach after a game. He was like, No, no, it's fine. We'll be don't worry, we'll be fine. You were like and I think a few of the boys at this point had just fucking snapped there. The boys were like, nah, not acceptable. And I think Fergie obviously being captain, he's like that's not acceptable, man. Like he just because he was so frustrated about not winning. For Rangers for our club, he just he just like he was just so frustrated. And he said, No, nah, it's not good enough, you know, we need to do much better. The fact he'd even spoke out was enough for like when just to, he obviously in his mind, that, nah. that so it was the next couple of days. Um, I think in training when he when he shipped him of the, the captaincy.
1: So, see, similar to the Rixon incident, like did you, when Fergie done that after the game, did you not know, think like there's no way that, that that's bad enough for him to be pushed away for the group?
2: Definitely, definitely. Like, we didn't think it was anything that bad. We were just thinking uh, the captain was caring for the club and it's just frustrating. You know, he's been at the club for years, so he was, like, we didn't think anything too much of it.
1: So when did you first know that, that Le Guin had stripped him at the said, "Like, Did Fergie come to a meeting and just go to the players? Like, I've just been stripped.
2: That was it. That was it. So it was after training one day. After that, he just came out the, I think he just came out the dressing room. Uh, out of the manager's office, into the dressing room, and he's like, getting his bag and that, and the boy's like, where are you going? He says, well, I've just, he just told me I'm no captain anymore. And I think he, I don't know if he told me he'd never play for the club again while he was here or whatever, but he basically says, I'm no captain, I've just been told to leave. We're like, what? Mental. That was the first we knew of it. The first we knew of it was in the dressing room after it.
1: And then did Le Guin speak to the group?
2: No. Nah. So Le Guin didn't speak to the group. What he'd done was, he pulled me about two minutes later.
1: Oh,
2: I mean, like, that's the worst, in it? He's packing I'm up his and he's in. I was like, oh, wow. So he's Fer, in. Fergie, sorry to interrupt
1: you, Gov. Did Fergie give you the death there when you were walking
2: in? No, I think Fergie had left by this point. Like, right. I think Fergie just took his stuff and he's away because he didn't want to like stay, obviously, in that environment.
1: Yeah.
2: So Eve, the assistant, pulled me like two minutes later and I'm thinking, all right. I'm thinking, what the fuck's he want me for? So I went in and I'd captained I'd the club a couple of times in, in the European games when Fergie wasn't playing now and again in like the cup games um, when like the, the main players weren't playing and I was, I was involved. But then he basically just says, I've told uh, Barry he's not captain anymore and you're going to be Rangers captain. I'm like, oh, right, okay. <laughs> right, bear in mind, I wasn't even playing. I wasn't even playing in the team mate. I was like, all right. Like basically, are you sure? It was just so strange, mate. It was just like, mate, fucking you serious? Come on. Like amazing, like, don't get me wrong, amazing to have done it, but not in a nice, not in a nice way, this the sort of situation that happened there.
1: So then so Gov, do you need to then go back into the dressing room with the rest of the players after Fergie's just walked out and said, lads, I'm the new captain
2: (laughs) (laughs) Basically, basically. It was mental. Absolutely mental. And we had the motherball the next day, eh? I've never been so nervous for a game in my life, right? Because, A, I knew I was going to be playing. So I was starting. I'd never, I had to obviously concentrate on that because I hadn't been playing. Plus I was captain. Plus the scrutiny of Barry not being captain. It was fucking mental, mate.
1: Did you sleep the night before that game, There, Yeah, I
2: swear I was proper, like, stressed. and I've never had it in my life. Horrible.
1: But it must have been a good feeling walking out at Ibrox as the Rangers captain, there.
2: Oh, the, the the game was at Far Park. That the game the next day was at Far Park. So it was. Don't get me wrong. As I say, an unbelievable like honour to do it, but just not in a particularly nice situation where it was just like nobody like in the press could believe what had happened. None of the fans could believe what had happened. I couldn't believe what had happened. The problem. My teammates couldn't believe what had happened. So it was just like try to just make sure we won the game. Luckily, we won the game. Boydie scored one 0 I think it was. Um, so that was. That was better, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great, mate.
1: And did did, uh, did Fergie speak to you after you were given it?
2: Fergie was fine with me, yeah, yeah. He says, Oh listen, mate, obviously, don't it's not a deal with you Obviously, go and do your best sort of thing and um yeah, no, there's no no beef with Fergie at all now. Right.
1: Uh, aside from the issues, like was there anything good that came from working with again? Was there anything that you took for it that was positive? Um
2: Probably not, Not probably not. Um you know, I could uh, even looking back at the training and like the coaching, nah I honestly nah, I don't think so, mate. I think it was a an experiment that failed badly and certainly didn't manage to live up to expectations and I probably a bit I'm probably a bit tinged with it because he fucked off like a few days later and never even said anything. Like he was gone, he resigned or he was sacked a few days later. Yeah. And then so I never even seen him. Like he never even said, "Oh, listen, sorry." Never even called me after that. Like so never even said, "Like, listen, sorry for putting you in that situation," and you know, wish you all the best for the rest of your career. And that. nothing. So I was just thinking, "You fucking prick, man! You put me in that situation and let me get that scrutiny for three or was like five days, and then you fucked off." I was like, "Prick, man! That human, eh?"
1: Her janky you to dry,
2: eh? Huh? I think he, he, he manipulated the situation to make it to make sure he got his exit. probably the best way to put it.
1: Right, well. Uh, and then he eventually leaves and uh, Walter Smith and Alan McCoy's coming. Is that exactly what that, that team needed at that point, Gov?
2: I think so. Yeah, no, I think so. I think, you know, getting the chance. I'd worked with Walter and Coisty was Scotland. Um, so I was, I was buzzing, mate. I love Walter. I've got so much respect Are for you? him. He's such a legend. Legend, mate. I love him. Um, what's, so him
1: what's, what's so good about him, what's so good about him? What's so
2: good about Just his aura, mate. And how he treats you, he just treats you like a man. But you know you can't cross the line with him either. He's got that aura about him. Um, likes a laugh as well, but you know where you stand with him. Um, I loved working with him. I thought he was great. I loved working with Koisty and Kenny um, for that six months. And it was the right thing we needed at that time for him to come in. And Yeah, I think the boys were, the boys
1: were buzzing. What about when he gave uh, Fergie the captain said back. Did he speak to you beforehand?
2: Ah, he spoke to me beforehand and says, Listen, you know, obviously the situation that's gone on and obviously Barry was taken away and um he wasn't captain, but we're gonna reinstate him as captain. I said, Yeah, hundred percent, go for it. And, I mean I, without a doubt, you know, he's he's been the captain for years, he knows what he's doing and I've no issue at all. It was we played Dunfermline in a cup game, um, just before Walter came back, so I think Durante was in interim charge at the point and mate we've so we, the Motherwell game and then all the fallout and then Le Guin goes and the first the next first game was and Walter wasn't installed at this point but so Gerrani took it so with a cup game away to Dunfermline so I was thinking again just oh fucking come on look, please play well just get a good result mate we got pumped I think it was 3-0 we got absolutely battered from Dunfermline in the cup battered right before the game we're staying at a hotel right so I'm rooming with Nacho we Nacho so went got the pre-match came down to the, um, he said, right he's like "Don't get, get your bags and that come back on the coach in like 15 minutes and then we'll go for the game so me and Nachos came down like 15 minutes later nay bus gone I'm like are we earlier, or are late bus had fucked off remember I'm captain at this point <laughs> <laughs> I'm like this is going to be the worst day ever sure enough Get, had to call him, the bus came back. Me and Natural gets on the bus, gets to the Dunfermline game. We got pumped 3 0. Never captain again after that. Fergie was back in, so I was like, yeah.
1: It so were you late? Day. Were you late for the bus?
2: Mad, nah, we were on time, but the bus just fucked off and didn't count numbers.
1: <laughs> oh, brilliant, man. What well, about McCoy? Uh, any funny stories? Uh-
2: Koistinen is just like a different. He's a different character to what you think. You know, a totally different, different character on the training ground, mate. He's just like proper, proper serious. Takes it, takes it proper serious, and you're just like you expect him to like have a laugh. But when he's training, like he's in the zone, and obviously that's how he's managed to stay in a career himself. So it was, um, it was strange seeing like him, like from what I knew of Koisty was question of sport and like how funny he was and all his stories from back in the days and that to then seeing him on the training ground, he was just like a, a totally different character. It was strange to see him like that, but it was, it's obviously it worked from him. Um, he, was a, he was a great coach with, with Kenny as well.
1: Were you, uh, were you offered the chance to stay under Walter Smith?
2: I was. I was. So I'd, um, I'd been there for three and a half years and that last sort of year and a half had been fit. And I was sort of in and out of the team and playing now and again. And like I said, played that Hearts game where I was playing right wing for him. As I say, I would do in and for for Walter. Obviously, he's brilliant. Um, and then so I scored a couple of goals and he sort of said listen there's an opportunity for you to stay here if you want I don't know what your, where your head's at but I'd made up my mind mate I was going I, I needed a fresh start because the three and a half years there I'd hardly played any games and it was um, it just needed a clean break mate I needed to get away
1: what did, he, what, what did Walter say to you after that right midfield performance? Did he just no mention it? Could you score?
2: Mate absolutely oh, to be fair he nailed me a bit of half time and I was thinking Fuck you, just ask me yesterday if I could play right mid for you, I've no idea what I'm doing. But he was, just, he was more like, mate, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, calm down, just relax a bit. Like, alright, alright, alright. I was thinking because I was right mid, I'd have to do like step overs and all that. I was like, mate, come on. <laughs> um, you know, he was, he was, as I say, he was, he was great. And I love I water.
1: Brilliant. Uh, obviously, you said you never played enough, but enjoy your time eyebrows.
2: I, listen, I, I loved being part of a club that big. And, you know, I knew obviously Rangers was a big club. I didn't realise how big it was, you know, until you're actually living it day to day. And the global reach of the club and the expectation levels is just, it's, it's unbelievable. But it's tinged with like a bit of regret, like not getting to sort of enjoy it as much as what I would have loved to. Because that's why I went there at that time in my career. That's meant to be the peak of my career. And I didn't really get the chance to enjoy it as much as what I'd have liked. But yeah, no, obviously, great to play for them.
1: Brilliant. And then why Cardiff, mate?
2: So Cardiff, Money. I went... Money? No, no, I well, won't. I had the chance to go to Cardiff or Norwich. So Duff was the assistant in Norwich to Um, But Dave Jones was chasing my heart. So Dave had signed a few players from Scotland. He always went to the Scotland market quite a lot. And the one thing he said to me, like, it stuck out in my mind. He actually he remembered me from before. And he says, I want you to get back to what you were doing at Dundee, you know. You were a box to box midfielder, getting goals and that. And the fact that he knew me and he was really pushing hard was the reason I went. Where I, I didn't feel Grant he wanted me as much, but Duff was really keen to get me in. And that's mm. why I chose Cardiff over Norwich at that point.
1: Was it Sam Herman, Duff?
2: Uh, Risdale. Oh, so, Sam Herman had just left, Peter Risdale was there.
1: Oh, I'd love that Sam man story. Uh, best memories at Cardiff, obviously, 2008 final. I was there. Stayed at Kevin McNaughton just the night before. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. You've played well actually There wasn't much in the game
2: eh? Nah, it could have went either way eh? Could have went either way It was um... But you... Mate, I've done You know, looking back at that team They had Fucking some team they had, man Portsmouth, wow
1: Diara know that played, didn't
2: they? Mate, they had David James Glenn Johnson Distan, Saul Campbell Hariderson uh, Diarra, John It was mental, mate Kanchar, uh-huh. uh Canu Mate, it was unbelievable Tari, Mendes That was the team, mate It was
1: mental Wow, you done well for me. I remember the game, eh? Yeah, we done all right. There's, we there's done... in the game that you thought you could win it. Um, mate, it was
2: it was it wasn't like much in the game, and it was our stupid goalie chucked one in that killed us in the game, man. Elk, big Enkelman. big like, lettuce finger.
1: Oh, it? It it
2: terrible. Canary. A shit save, and it just fell right at Canu for about two yards. Out. Yeah. So it was. um disappointing the way we sort of lost it but it could have went either way we, we played okay They didn't play particularly well it was, not, it was a bit of a shit game overall but it's one of them that we could have, we could have easy won on the day um, but just didn't probably do enough
1: What hurt Mer that, that final or the Dundee final?
2: Uh, probably the Dundee final mate just because I'd been there as a YTS player coming through and you know I've made my journey through the, the club and been there for so long so probably the Dundee one um, because we weren't although we weren't expected to win the the Dundee Rangers game. You know, we were a championship team competed against um, Portsmouth as well. So nobody expected us to win that game either.
1: Uh, what about best players you played with in there? Obviously, Peter Whittonham's just passed away. What a player he was. Eh? What, guy, what kind of guy was he?
2: I uh, was a chilled out, chilled, really chilled out guy. We signed roughly at the same time. He was, um, yeah, wow, what a player, mate. He was, uh, his left foot was ridiculous. And, like, he could run games himself. We used to play Old V Young on a Friday and it would be him... And Aaron Ramsey were in the young team. And, mate, they'd be absolutely bossing the old boys. Bossing them, mate. Aaron Ramsey is the best young player I've ever seen um, coming through the ranks. He was outrageous, mate. Outrageous.
1: What, you could tell he would go right to the top of her?
2: When I signed, to so everyone was talking about him, like saying, oh, there's this kid coming through. He's gonna. This is his first year, like, pro. Um, you've got to keep an eye on him. He's the new, next EVG and all that. I was like, all oh, right, mate, no worries. Um, and then so the first couple of months, he proper struggled. He struggled to get used to training every day. He knows body getting used to it, training every day. See, as soon as he done that, mate, he was a joke, mate. Honestly, left foot, right foot, finishing. He could like score, hitting it big enough, quick enough, everything. He was in space all the time. The best thing he had, mate, that i have never seen from a young lad, was just his self belief, mate, and the mentality and his own ability. Mm. Incredible, nephew. No he came on him right back for McNaughton in the semi-final at Wembley for the FA Cup. And he was like, Cafu, mate. He was doing like stepovers and that. The kid's like 16. Never played right back in his life. And he was doing like stepovers at Wembley. He was unbelievable, mate. Amazing.
1: What about characters that you played with didn't there Anyone that stands out? Eyewater was uh, he there, was he? Who? Bywater, Was he at Cardiff now?
2: Eyewater was there in my last year. Yeah, he was, eh? was he like? Fuck, he was a nutter, eh? He was just like proper... Proper intense. Like, you didn't want to like look at me the wrong way. Punch fuck at you. I had shit myself with him.
1: You <laughs> said that you had a
2: Stanley knife. No, what was it? A, a pen knife and he forgot. A Swiss Army knife, uh, yeah. <laughs> mate. Mental. So we had him, we had uh, Big John Parkin. Big Parkin was there, obviously. He was a big character. Bellers was there the last year. We had Tommel, obviously, the first few years. Mark Kennedy. You've got
1: to the story now, that's not been told.
2: Oh, fucking, it's probably been told, mate. Um, I, the, we, had, we had a good story, a, a Stevie Thompson's story. I don't know, somebody's maybe told it, but Smash's guitar. I think they've maybe told it eh, after being in Liverpool.
1: No, I don't think so.
2: Um, so we, at Rangers, we flew down to um, Liverpool. Like, we got a private jet down to Liverpool. Did you tell you that story?
1: No, 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 I have this.
2: So we were at Rangers and we got a private jet into uh, private jet, it was like a, bus with wings basically <laughs> down to Liverpool um, thinking we were big bollocks going down to Liverpool getting a private jet it was like a little shit shit hype on, on, on wings, mate. so we got down to Liverpool for the Christmas night out. so we're all there and um, on the on the night out, the pilot and the, the stewardess guys there are all they went bumped into them in, in this nightclub mate so we're all getting them drinks all night like they're drinking aftershocks and that all night the pilot bearing in mind we're flying back the next day in the morning they broke was with us all night right so the next morning had a good night out, brilliant laugh next morning Tom, will usual get to guitar into the hotel lobby early doors just on the guitar for ages we get to so we get back to the airport and she's like we need to get back up the road um that that flight back up the road was mental mate mental big tom was flying the plane the, the captain's letting tomo fly the plane he's got the earphone the earmuffs on flying the plane there's like boys are just getting steaming big bob the hillways that like, kept shouting out with him ah we're all gonna die we're gonna crash mate for the whole flight <laughs> for Liverpool to, to Glasgow mate mental we get to Glasgow we get back out straight to another another boozer Tom was on the guitar gets out the, out the pub next next thing Tom was just like guitar smashed gone that was it mental the boys are <laughs> oh, crazy well, uh,
1: what was Bellamy me like guy? Uh, G-?
2: I was shit scared of Bellamy. Like, he's one player that I felt when I was playing with him and training with him that he thought I was shite. Like, I could sort of feel it from him thinking, he's fucking rubbish, me in his mind. Um, really, Bellamy is like, it could be one minute you could be thinking, fuck, he's actually all right. He's a really nice guy. The next minute you're just thinking, fuck, he's a prick, man. You could just, just flip him, just a ball, a, a passing training would be off and he'd be, he'd be away, just going on, on one mental. Next minute, totally chilled out. Um, yeah, he was, he was, he was some boy. He was, as I say, like some, one minute, I think he's all right. Next minute, I was just thinking he's a bit of a dick, but yeah, he was, he was a good boy.
1: What about Fowler?
2: Fowler was just like one of the lads, mate. He'd be having bacon egg rolls before training now. Eh? Like that? just, just a total geezer, mate. Didn't care. Love that, what a guy. Uh,
1: right, mate, then you went home to Aberdeen. Uh, Craig Brown Archie Knox what were they two Shaggers like to work for?
2: <laughs> ah, they were great um, so Craig Brown had, uh, gave me my um, debut for uh, Scotland so he obviously had a relationship with me he loved me because I was at Dundee he obviously played for Dundee and that himself so I'd always, always had a good relationship with him I was maybe going there in the January but I meant to be going there in the summer but I didn't go until the January um, so eventually got up there I can just remember like some days we would just go for bacon rolls and I like, some days they would just like, Archie's oh, like, oh, fuck it, we'll just go for bacon rolls mate. It was, um, <laughs> but the problem, the problem was we weren't doing that well. So we're like, oh, well, we should really be a bit of training. Like, so sometimes you'd be like, we should maybe just go training, but I ah, mate, great times. I love working with both, both of them, they were great.
1: Could Archie still crack at that age?
2: Oh, big time mate, yeah, big time. Yeah, no, you still crack, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't um, hold back and I think, you know, everyone's he used to after the game he'd be talking to you, so you could get beaten. in that. He'd be talking to you and you'd be getting changed like in the shower quickly and you'd be getting changed, you'd come out of the shower. He always used to put his shoes and socks on first and then he'd be like toweling off with his shoes and socks on, pure stalkers, like slaughtering the boys. You <laughs> <like>, can't <laughs> take him serious. He was brilliant. That's amazing. Man. Uh,
1: and then uh, Dale McInnes came in latterly. Could you tell could you tell Dale's quality straight away? I loved Dale I think he's a great guy, yeah.
2: Yeah, no, I've got a lot of time for Dell. Even though he released me, um I've got a lot of time for him, He was uh, he was proper straight up with me. You know, when it came, I was coming to the end of my contract and he says, oh, listen, it's a really tough one, but you know, I want to put my own sort of stamp on the spot. He says, mate, no nah, nah worries. Like, I mean I'd played against Dell, knew, knew Dell for years, and he's done a he's done a fantastic job up there. It's um it's tough to keep replicating doing so well with the players leaving, but he's a he's a good, really good manager.
1: And then back to Dundee, mate, was it always in your mind to kind of finish your career at Dundee?
2: It wasn't, mate, to be honest. I mean, I'd finished up at Aberdeen and sort of contemplated emigrating at that point. Um, it was always in the plan sort of to emigrate to Australia. So I was going to go. But then Bomber was the manager at Dundee. And he sort of convinced me. And it was a couple of things. So it was finishing my career where I started, but also um, club captain. So I was not just captain, of like pure club captain for everyone, which was at that point I was ready for. Plus I was um, the reserve team manager. So there's a few things there that sort of helped, and plus I could still stay in Aberdeen. So I travelled down with Boyle every day, and that's how I'm close with Boyley. Um so me and him used to travel down every day. So it was it just worked out. I just like, you know what? I mean, why not put moving away for a while, putting moving a show off for a while, so one more year, let's let's have a crack at it. Could uh, could Bomber be a bit eccentric? Uh, Bomber was you know, Bomber's like the pre-season was amazing, mate. We hardly got any running, it was all football, it was brilliant, eh? It
1: was I said,
2: really oh, you if you're running too fast running. ah it was mental yeah. it was so strange like it was weird but cuz you expect him to be going nuts but he was um, no, it was good he, he got he put together a really good squad and some of the signings were great and really pushed us on but he was um, sometimes a he would just say "Ah, fucking you know tactics don't matter it's not a day with tactics even though like we'd been set up in tactics for the two days pre- previous to the game our tactics don't matter and all that. So you're like, fucking hell, is it, is it, is it one thing or the So, uh, yeah. but no, nah, I, as I say, I, he brought me back to that club and I've got a lot of thank him for him. I love Palmer as well.
1: And then how good was that, mate, winning the championship with him in your last season?
2: It, mate, it couldn't have been better. It actually couldn't have worked out better. It was uh, especially the way it happened on the last day um, and with a really good group of boys. And just because I had... Because we got promoted, I'd had another, I got another year in my contract. You know, it kicked in automatically. But I was just thinking, fuck, it's just not going to get better than that. I could play in the Premier League. I've done that already. could be on the bench, no playing. I could get injured. You know, being able to sort of retire myself yeah. was definitely the best way for me to finish. Like, I could just take that decision and just go out on a high. And winning the league on the last day was, it was amazing, mate. Amazing.
1: And I need to ask you a last question on Dundee. The Magaluf trip at the end of the season. Um, You were going to batter my, Ibiza, sorry, my big mate Sean Morrison, weren't you, Ficardo?
2: Oh, mate, wow. What is he over?
1: (laughs) He's a loose cannon, isn't he?
2: (laughs) Wow. He was, um, yeah, we were at that Ocean Beach Club one day, it was a day we were there all day, and he was like, he'd proper come up to boys and like, he like, he was trying to be friendly, but he was like proper aggressive, like right up in your face, like being friendly. Then he was sucking somebody's toes, and I'm like, what the fuck's going on here, man? He's just not. Nah. And I'd <laughs> got to the point, I was like, mate, you need to get the fuck away from here, you're doing my nut in there. And was then
1: you, you know Colin Declan Gallagher, sucker.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but he was there with Big Hyde. He was there with Jake Hyde, so Heidi's play and Heidi used to play with Dundee, so we all knew we all knew Heidi. Uh-huh. So all the boys were sorta of together, but he was just like he was a screwball. But I know he's obviously I know a few of the boys at Cardiff are really good friends and he says he's a great lad. I don't know, I've never met him apart from that day. Um, but he was, yeah, he was on one that day. He was mental.
1: He's a top man. And did, uh, did Martin Boyle have the bit of a breakdown as well? When he thought everyone hated him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So we um we got to this we got to this brand new hotel. So it was all inclusive. We only just booked it because we just won the league a few days before. Club were very kind to us. Booked it. I'd put it in our contracts. Like if we if we got promoted, we get a, a chip away at the end of the season. So they the, came through with it. It was brilliant. Um. So we booked this hotel. It was all-inclusive, a brand-new hotel. So, it was, like, they didn't even know what had happened because it was only open, like, two weeks, and then all of a sudden, you've got a group of 20 boys, all-inclusive, for Scotland, just absolutely drank the place dry, mate. They had to keep going to the off-licence to get Mayor booze to put behind the bar for us to take. <laughs> they, they had to, like... They were trying to cap it, and we are like, nah, nah, you can't cap it. It's, this is, this is a deal. But I think because after that, after we'd been there, they totally changed their policy because we absolutely killed <laughs> them, eh? Because we absolutely drunk and dry, but... The first day we got there, we, Boyly, thought he, was, thought he was being a hard man, drinking Jager bombs all day, right? So we're like, mate, like, settle, settle down. We're just here. Relax yourself. Just relax. Take it easy. Have a beer. And he's like, nah, I'm going in Yega bombs all day. I'm like, Boyly, come on, mate. So we'd had a few drinks. We went for something to eat. We came back to the hotel. He's still there drinking Jager bombs at this point. And we're like, Boyly, where you then? Like and I says, mate, you're gonna you're gonna end up like you're gonna need your stomach pumped. Right, you need to calm down, just settle down, go in here sleep, and then come back out. with was like later on, and then all of a sudden I turned in and he's in tears. And I'm like, what the f- what's wrong with you? You alright? He was just an emotional wreck because he'd been on the Jaeger bombs I did.
1: <laughs> oh, amazing, man! He loves that Yeager. Do you want a Yeager? Awesome. <laughs> uh, right, mate, just the last few bit. Uh, now, obviously over in Australia, and if anyone's seen Gov's missus, they will understand why he moved over there. Uh, <laughs> are you, are you going to stay over there, or is there an ambition to come back here, be a coach, manager?
2: It's enough, I've, as I say, I've been coaching here for about five years, nearly six years now. Um, never say never. You know, football in the UK, there's definitely a lot more opportunities than, it, than there is in Australia. So, it's, uh, I'm coaching... Part time at the moment, it's been really good in terms of experience and dealing with budgets and players and stuff. If someone came up in the, in the, in the UK, then you know, I'd certainly I'd have to look at it, but it would have to be right for the family first. And um, but we'll see, you never see never, mate.
1: Gavin Ray, Dundee manager, get that flat in the hill tune back. <laughs> <laughs> Gav, man, thanks very much, mate. Loved it.
2: No worries, thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye, hey, hey, lads. Cheers. Cheers. Sometimes change is simply different. But it's progress that drives us forward. Introducing the all new Audi A3. Now with enhanced connectivity and driver assist systems in a modern, expressive design. This is vision, not revision. Drive progress in the all new Audi A3. Audi. Vorsprung durch, Technik. It's the new football season, and now TV's hit the back of the net.
0: Oh, it's a stunner!
2: As you can get the Sky Sports and Sports Extra Passes half price for three months. Now that's more like it! So, you can stream Sky Sports, Premier Sports and BT
0: Sport at 50% off, and all without a contract. It's
2: perfect! That is world class.
0: Your sport on your terms. Search Now TV Sports to
2: find out more. 18 plus content streamed via internet. Standard pricing after three months. Further terms apply.